My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 180 of The Kate Show. Today, we are speaking with Rick Campos of the Design Biz Survival Guide, and we're talking about the top secrets to surviving as an interior designer in this industry. So if you ever feel like you're surviving more than thriving in your design business, you are not alone. The home industry is hard, and it's not for the faint of heart or for the entrepreneur. I once had a fellow millennial ask me how to start a business because she needed to, quote-unquote, make money fast. Once I got off the floor from laughing, I wrote her a nice email in response, saying that it takes around two years for most businesses to become profitable. But after that initial two years, running a business doesn't just magically become easy either. The things you once thought were difficult might be simpler, and that's usually when you're presented with level two of business ownership managing projects, and growing a team. Today on The Kate Show, I'm speaking with Rick of the Design Biz Survival Guide, and he is sharing some really insightful words of wisdom. So if you've ever felt like you and your design firm need a survival guide, well, you would be right. Building a strong business and creating a lasting legacy requires community. In this interview, Rick shares deep insights on the struggles that home professionals face over and over again. He also shares why he calls himself a recovering interior designer and how he can help each of you move forward. I don't want you guys to miss these words of entrepreneurial wisdom. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to thank one of our sponsors, HoneyBook. If you're looking for professional client workflows that can be automated just as much as your window treatments, check out HoneyBook and use code SOCIALITE for a 50% off your first year. Go to HoneyBook.com and use code SOCIALITE for 50% off. And now, let me tell you a little bit more about today's guest. Rick Campos is the founder of Design Biz Survival Guide and is a self-proclaimed recovering interior designer with 15 years of experience in luxury residential design. In 2019, Rick said goodbye to client relations and hello to the influencer side of the design industry with a mission to support and promote the rise of our design community. Design Biz Survival Guide is a multifaceted platform that includes a podcast, personalized business consulting service, an online community, and a lecture series. Rick is passionate about sharing information and inspiration with fellow design professionals. Rick's goal is to empower design professionals and entrepreneurs to be the very best they can be, one conversation at a time. All right, guys, let's dive into my conversation with Rick Campos. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Kate Show. I have Rick Campos with me today. You guys have probably heard him on his own show, but nevertheless, Rick, thank you for joining me on The Kate Show today. Kate, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I am too. I had a lot of fun on your podcast recently, and there is so much that we can talk about surrounding you and your experience and what you're doing in the design industry. So let's just get right into it. I would like to give my listeners some context around you. So could you share with us how you got started in the home industry and how that has brought you to where you are right now? Sure, I'd be happy to. 
how I got started in the home industry, it's a very common story to many design professionals out there. It was actually a second career for me. So I actually have a background in the automotive industry and I was kind of a little bit bored with it. I knew that it wasn't my calling. And so I seized an opportunity to go to design school here in Newport Beach at Interior Designers Institute to kind of explore if that that little voice in my head saying, hey, you should explore design was the right thing for me. And as it turns out, it was the best thing I could have ever done. I really enjoyed my education at IDI. And in the process of getting my degree in interior design, I realized that I wanted to launch my own design business. So again, that's kind of a conversation that a lot of designers are having with themselves when they're in school. Are they going to work for someone? Are they going to launch their own business? And in addition to my passion for design, I have this passion for business and entrepreneurship. So I knew that I wanted to launch my own business. So I did just that in 2007, 2008, right when the whole economy went to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> Perfect timing. But I actually learned a lot during that process. And I still managed to keep my design business afloat. I had worked in the luxury interior design market even while I was in school, not because I chose to specifically. I didn't target that market. It just happened that way. I, I worked for another designer while I was in design school who happened to be a high-end luxury designer. And then when I had my own business, being in Newport Beach, California, you're kind of surrounded by opportunity in that market as well. After a few years of running my own business, I partnered with a fellow designer in Newport Beach also and spent six years with them. And we also worked in the high-end luxury market, which was very, very exciting. In that process, I think after the first few years of designing with this team, I began to explore more of the business side. That's where I realized, you know what, this is really where my emphasis should lie. This is where I really feel fulfilled. At a certain point, I realized that I was going to be of better service to others and to myself if I stepped away from the design business creatively and really focused on the business of design. So I really kind of switched from designer to what I call influencer. Some people call it coaching. Some people call it leadership or mentorship. It has all types of different names, mm -hmm. but that's kind of my backstory in a nutshell. And here we are today. You know, I founded Design Biz Survival Guide a few years ago, started with a podcast and has grown into consulting services and programs and leadership opportunities for designers. I like how you have really put an emphasis on finding your calling and doing what is fulfilling because being in business is never going to be easy, but if you love it, then it's worth it. And what you love is going to change. Sure. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's a, a real part of that conversation that I was having myself with myself, that dialogue of, you know, what part of design is taxing? What were my pain points? What was not fulfilling? And everything that I do, I give 110%. So I wanted to make sure that if I was going to give that much, I was sleeping good at night and I woke up in the morning feeling good and excited to go to work. And so some aspects of the interior design business creatively did not check all of those boxes. So I made an effort to create out of nowhere a business yep. model that did check the boxes. And I'm not saying that designers should run from the creative aspect and the consumer aspect because it is what it is. But uh, we all have a responsibility to ourselves to really be fulfilled with what we're doing because we put so much into it, especially in the creative field. It's so personal. 
Oh, it, it really is. And working, especially in the mid to the high end luxury market, there's a lot of client handholding. And that's just the nature of it. And if a designer lets himself or herself get burned out, then that's another problem. So to your point, taking care of yourself as a designer, it might not mean changing careers, but it might. And that's why I'm very curious about why you often refer to yourself as a recovering interior designer. And then on top of that, you also have this new brand that's all about the Design Biz Survival Guide. So I'm sensing a trend here. There's like a theme going on. Can you explain that? Sure. Yeah. My recovering interior designer. So that's my tagline when I introduce myself because I have a lot of respect for interior designers and I was in the trenches for many years. So I really come from a place of understanding what it's like, every aspect from launching the design business to client acquisition, to actually doing the design, to sourcing, purchasing, installation. And I really appreciate that entire process and I get it. And so I am not currently a practicing interior designer, and I like to place an emphasis on that to the design community because my whole business is really built on trust, and I don't want to ever represent myself as someone who is physically doing design now when I'm not. So I kind of tagged on this recovering interior designer. It's kind of kitschy. It makes people laugh a little bit, mm-hmm. and it think, I think it's a good conversation starter because it poses the question, why were you and why did you stop, which is the perfect intro for me. Oh, absolutely. I think that was brilliant because when I saw that on your website, I was like, well, clearly there's a story here and now I must know. (laughs) And it's like that once a designer, always a designer. So I'll always be a design professional. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just in recovery at the moment. And, um, (laughs) and that's also, I think why I kind of, uh, use the word survival as well, because I always, even when I had started my business and during the process of launching my business and, and learning the ropes of business and design, I always told myself, I wish there was some kind of manual for this. I wish there was some kind of guide that would tell creative entrepreneurs how this business works and, you know, help you through that trial and error process. And so when I was developing a platform just for that, the term survival guide really kind of resonated with me. And I think that when people see that, again, it helps target the people that are in that mode in life and business where they're like, man, I really need a manual for this because. I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. 100%. (laughs) So the foundation of your brand, Design Biz Survival Guide, honestly, it just, it's one of continuous learning. You're learning from external sources. You're learning from each other in the design industry. And that passion and that love of learning had to come from somewhere. So where did that begin for you personally? You know, it's funny. I think that if I wasn't an interior designer, I would have been a teacher. I think a lot of people spend, okay, I'll speak for myself. I know I spent the first, you know, the early part of my life really just kind of focusing on how to make money. (laughs) You know, when you're young, you have a certain checklist of things that you want to achieve. And a lot of that is financial gain. And then at a certain point, you begin to think, what do I want to do that can benefit others? And so I I learned that I was really, my place is to be of service. And so I think if I wasn't a designer, I probably would end up being a teacher just because I like, I like sharing information and I like exchanging information. I'm really big on this community kind of a platform. And, and I do strongly believe that our best source of information and inspiration is from our peers. And so I really embrace that. 
and that's what I promote is information from each other. So I haven't developed a platform or I haven't written a book that says, here, guys, this is how you do it, and then stepped away from it. It's like a constantly evolving vault, for lack of a better word, of information and inspiration that is always, always changing. So that's why, like, for my programs, for consulting, and even my online community, it's not loaded with a bunch of manuals and PDFs and things that you can print and take and implement. It's more about the conversation, and the exchange of information because every single business is so different. And so it takes a lot of input from a whole bunch of different areas and creative people and business people to get people on the track that they need to be. Did I answer your question? Yes, you you <laughs> definitely did. And I like that you're pointing out the importance of community because there are a lot of people in business, and I totally used to be like this. I thought, I need to do everything myself. I need to figure out everything myself. And I, I just, I should know all this information. Like, it should all just be in my head. And then it can destroy a person's confidence if they're just relying on themselves. So I love that your brand is about really it's about crowdsourcing, but it's about crowdsourcing information from people who actually know what they're talking about. It's not about asking Google, you know, it's about asking these real people who have had the in the trenches experience. And I would actually like to touch a little bit on your in the trenches experience and ask you, what is one aspect of interior design, whether it's the business side or just the creative work that ended up being more difficult than you had anticipated? Like, was it just one aspect of it that you were like, oh, I have to do that again? What was it? I will tell you the biggest challenge in the business of design for me was definitely the psychology of design when it came to interacting with clients. I used to not like saying this at the beginning. I used to struggle with telling people, hey, listen, the reason that I left design is because I really couldn't cope with the client interaction. But you know what? Now I'm not afraid to say it because that's just the reality of it. It doesn't make me a not good business person. It doesn't make me a not great designer. It just tells you who I am and it shows you that I have boundaries and that I have respect for myself and I'm not willing to put myself in a situation that is not just uncomfortable, but just completely unfulfilling. No matter what level of design you're working at, small, moderate, mid to high, luxury to insane, all of those clients are investing in something special and they all have demands and expectations. At the level that I worked, The expectations were very high. The stakes were very high. And that was a lot of pressure. It really is a lot of pressure. And one of the things that I'm starting to talk to design professionals about, especially emerging design professionals, is to be prepared to be challenged, be prepared to be uncomfortable, be prepared to have uncomfortable conversations. There is a lot associated with the business of design that is not creative that can be very taxing on you. And I feel like design professionals need to ask themselves these questions going in. Not only do I think I'm a great designer and I'm creative, but how do I respond in a challenging situation? How do I handle confrontation? Where do I draw the line? What are my boundaries? All of those things I struggled with. Mm -hmm. And so they're very important things for me to talk about with other design professionals. And I'm glad that you're able to share all of that because it gives other people permission 
to be like, you know what? I struggle with that too. Instead of having them just keep it to themselves and think, well, there must be something wrong with me. I'm supposed to enjoy client interaction. I'm supposed to be quote unquote good at it. When the truth is not everyone is supposed to be good at all things. So yeah, I certainly couldn't do it, but of course I'm more of an introvert. And it's like a lot of designers tell me that they end up being a counselor or a psychologist to their clients. And that would wear out a lot of people. It would be very emotionally draining, which then would be creatively draining. So it completely makes a lot of sense. Today's episode of The Kate Show is brought to you in part by your website. Wait, what? Is this right? Yes. Your website emailed The Kate Show and did it by itself, by the way. Okay. And like asked me to tell you something. Your website said it really needs a tune-up, maybe even a complete makeover. It feels bad that it can't send you more clients and it wants to make it right with you. Oh, poor website. Seriously, though, if you're ready for your website to make you look professional and attract the right clients, you need to take action. Go to katethesocialite.com to check out our beautiful website templates. They're really easy to customize and we even tell you exactly what you should say on each page of your website so that you can start speaking directly to your ideal client while also having better SEO. Go to katethesocialite.com to pick the website design that's right for you. On the flip side, what was one thing about design, whether the creative work or the business side, that you have just, you're naturally good at it? Like it comes so easy for you and maybe it doesn't come easily for others in your industry. I think that, and my my old team can attest to this, I'm very Julie, the cruise director. So I really like organizing, you know, how things flow and looking at a project from beginning to end and really developing that process. Okay, everyone, you know, this is our new client. Let's learn about this client. Let's learn about the design. Let's begin to gather information. These are the steps that we take. We don't go out of order, please. Everyone stay in line. Everyone hold hands. And then, you know, when we got to the end, to the finish line, this is the process that we would take. And so I'm very, very structured in that regard. And I loved that aspect of design when it worked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The moment that a wrench is thrown in, I'm not going to say that I would go off the deep end, but it was very frustrating to me because I know that if everyone around me, including the client, would embrace that structure and respect that process, the result was outstanding. And I think that was part of my frustration with the business of design and with dealing with clients is that I knew the process worked because I had done it time and time again, and I saw outstanding results. And so when challenged, uh, when someone would challenge that process, I think that's when I would just get, you know, a little frustrated. Yeah. Well, and having a good repeatable process within your business, regardless of what that business is, that's one of the keys to success and mm-hmm. automation oh, yeah. and growing and outsourcing. You have to have a repeatable process. So I like that you are into all those processes because I <laughs> completely am too. And then I like to automate them if I can. In the design industry, you can't quite automate all the things. Uh, right. in, in my right. industry, you kind of can. But uh, <laughs> so. And to be, add to that, I don't mean to interrupt mm-hmm, you, but no, to add good. to that. 
when when you when you mentioned counselor, it's funny because and when you said that and I thought about my team, one of the things that we laugh about now is I also really enjoyed that internal inner workings of our team. And I, I was that person. I was always trying to be like the counselor for everyone in the office. How are you doing this week? What are your challenges? What are you trying to achieve? How can we help you grow? You know, that sort of thing. I really enjoyed that. I used to drive my team crazy with all of these exercises and group, you know, team building exercises and things like that. But that was really something that really appealed to me. And it was one of those things that I really focused on when I was developing this business was if the interaction with the client is not fulfilling, what type of interaction is? And I found the interaction with my peers is very fulfilling. I can arm wrestle with the fellow designer all day because we're speaking the same language and we're coming from the same place. I couldn't do that with the consumer because we were just too far on opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And it's the design professionals who need that support, honestly, because if you can't take care of your team or in your case, you know, if you if you're leading the lead designer to help take care of his team, her team, that helps their business grow. Yeah. Now, because you're consulting with so many different designers, do you ever see trends in the issues that they are facing? Like you'll just get a wave of people who are like, I've got this problem and I've got this problem. And if you can share what some of those are and and how people avoid it, I'm sure that it would help a lot of people listening. I think a couple of the most common things that I've seen when working with designers, the first one, the big one is the processes and the procedures. And I completely respect it because as creative professionals, we're oftentimes just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. We're trying to land that next big job. We're trying to keep the client happy and keep all the plates spinning. So it's very difficult to focus on the details. And when you have the opportunity to do that, you want those details to be the creative details and you're kind of neglecting the office and the business details. So oftentimes the processes and procedures are neglected. And uh, that's usually when someone will call and say, there seems to be some holes in what's happening here. We're missing things. Things aren't going smoothly. That usually stems from a, a deficiency in the processes and procedures. So that's probably the most common thing that design professionals need help with. And then I think there's also a lot of, I don't know, for lack of a better word, handholding associated with what I do, because I feel like designers really need a sounding board sometimes. So, I mean, I've worked with designers who actually know what the answer is, and they they know what the roadmap is. They just need someone, they need a cheerleader. They need someone to validate the process and help push them along and say, yes, you are on the right track. Go, go, go. And I'm perfectly happy being that person as well, because we all need that sometimes. And you can't always get that from your staff. You know, I always tell my design clients, I get it. You hire these people to be creative. They need to focus on being creative. If you take them away from that and ask them to help you run your business, then you are neglecting that creative Mm -hmm. process. You're neglecting your clients and that's your moneymaker. Yeah. And therein lies this age old struggle of needing to work both in the business and on the business. So when a designer approaches you looking for help, how does that process work? How do you help them uncover their needs or do they come to you knowing exactly what they need or do they come to you like, oh, I'm just a mess and I don't know where to start? Just kind of take us through like, what is it like working with you? Yeah. So usually what happens is, I mean, obviously I work with a lot of referrals, so I've been very, very blessed 
with very strong ties and relationships within the design community, both locally and now a little more far spread from Southern California. So most of my clients are referrals. So a lot of times they come to me saying, hey, I understand that you worked with so-and-so and they were very pleased with what you did. And so can we work together? And the first question I ask is, let's talk about your challenges. Mm-hmm. What has you held up? You know, what is keeping your business from growing to the place where you want it to be? And, and I don't talk creative. I don't want to talk design. I don't want to talk about fabrics and lighting and, and pretty things because you're already good at that. If we're going to work together, it's because you need help on the business side. That's where I can help you. And then, you know, we just kind of toss around the different challenges that they're experiencing and the things that they want to achieve. And, you know, much like that consultation between the designer and a potential client, we had that same discovery moment where we determine, are we a fit for each other or not? Because I can't help everyone. I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And so that's usually, you know, where the process starts. And then once we decide, yes, we can work together, I think that I can help you, then I develop what I call a roadmap. So I take everything that they've told me and I lay it out on paper and say, this is my understanding of what you're trying to achieve. This is my understanding of where you want to go. And this is how I think I can help you. Do you want to work together on this? Yay or nay? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we're off to the races. So how long do those client relationships last? I mean, are they ongoing and do you meet with people every week or every month or what what does that structure look like? Yeah, they're just like design clients. You know, some of them are very short term and some of them are long term. I worked with the designer for, gosh, almost 18 months on various different things. We started off wanting to achieve one thing and then that led to another goal and another goal and another goal. And before we knew it, 18 months into it, you know, we were still going strong. And that was kind of like, hey, let's get together a couple of times a week. Let's touch base. Let's evaluate your team internally. I was very integrated in, in that office to achieve what we were trying to achieve. Typically, we're usually able to achieve what we want to achieve over a course of a month, uh, 10 to 15, maybe 20 hours. We'll do Zoom calls like this. Sometimes I'll come into the office, but most of the work is remote. And a lot of times we meet early in the morning, after hours, so that the designer can focus on their business and still kind of achieve what we're trying to achieve. So we're on this tight rope, if you will. I want to help you, but I'm not going to help you by taking you away from your day-to-day operation because the goal is to actually (laughs) help that grow. So I don't want to add to your issues. So I have to be very flexible in that regard. And I quite enjoy it. Mm -hmm. When you're working with designers, do you find that you typically work with designers who already have teams or do you work with solopreneurs? Do you have a preference? I'm just trying to give people listening an idea of, hmm, am I a good fit to work with Rick? Yeah. Uh, You know what? Initially, I thought that I was going to primarily work with like emerging design professionals, people that were just launching their business that didn't have a team or maybe had one other person as part of their team. But as it turns out, everyone that has reached out to me happens to be smaller businesses with small teams, uh, three to 10 people. And so that is my most common client over the past three years. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also have helped people who are just launching. In fact, I'm developing more programs now, more specific to them because my language over the past few years has been very small team boutique design firm because that's who I've been working with. And those are Mm -hmm. the people that are feeding me challenges and giving me information that I'm in turn 
creating programs and inspiration for to you know motivate and help other designers and in that process i feel like i've neglected that hey i just graduated from design school i want to launch my own business where do i start Mm -hmm. so i've created a program specifically for them as well so i spend a lot of time listening to designers and then creating content and information for them based on their needs and wants which is exactly how we're supposed to do it right you know we always have to tailor our content to what our audience needs. And that's, of course, just a marketer in me speaking. I'm always being told by my clients what to talk about next, you know, and I'm sure that you get the same thing. You know, you get questions in the inbox, questions in the DMs, and there's just so much to talk about. And I'm excited to hear that you're going to be offering things for the emerging interior designers because they have struggles as well, but they're very different than someone who has a team. Someone once told me, you know, bigger team, bigger problems. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if that's always true, but I suppose that it does give you more variables, um, more ways things can go potentially off the rails. So I have a few other questions for you. What does the future hold for interior designers? Because obviously right now in the home industry, things are crazy. Things are back-ordered until, like, who knows when. Interior designers are booked out months, if not years. And because you have your hand on the pulse of this industry, what are you seeing, really, on the horizon for the design industry? I think it's a really exciting time for the design industry because there is such a huge demand. And over the last couple of, I guess, decades, particularly in the last 10 years, consumers have really embrace professional interior design, which makes for lots of opportunity for anyone that wants to explore this business on some level. What I think needs to happen, and I'm seeing designers actually do this, is a lot of design professionals are really focusing on refining and really reining in their business model and really focusing on a niche, a very specific level of service or type of design that they offer so that they are able to work within that pocket and be better service to consumers because, you know, you can't be everything to everyone. And because the market has opened up so broadly and finding that design professionals are, and I I encourage them to do so, really fine tune and narrow that lane of creativity and service that you're offering so that you don't really mix up in the shuffle because the business of design is, is growing. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's very exciting. And I know that a lot of the designers are really exciting about all of the opportunity, but it's going to be, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I just feel like naturally it's going to begin to dilute. And I think that design professionals need to have a strategy to, to protect themselves against that. Oh man, I agree with that because as the market continues to get more and more flooded with all these designers, the designers who are trying to be all things to all homeowners, you know, or, or whatever market they're trying to serve, they will, as you said, get completely lost in the shuffle unless they carve out a specialty for themselves. That is the best way to get organic PR for your business. It, it's the best way to stand out. It's the best way to brand yourself. So I'm glad that you brought that up. As a parting thought for the designers listening right now, regardless of where they might be in their career journey, what is the one piece of advice that you would give someone who is like, I want nothing more than to have a really successful design business, but I'm feeling discouraged right now. What would you say to them? 
I think I would say to them to really focus on their core intention. And I've had this conversation with a lot of people and not just designers. And I've been there myself. And I think that my saving grace was really just to kind of do that exercise of looking internally and really identifying my why and my my true core underlying intention of what makes me happy every day, what makes me want to get out of bed, what makes me feel good and sleep well at night. And we can be so distracted by the noise. And you and I talked about this together. There's so many contributing factors out there and expectations that really can get us flustered. And I think that if you're in a place where you feel discouraged or overwhelmed, just take a step back and really focus on yourself and and what's fulfilling to you and what your core intention is and build your business around that. Because then every day you're going to be in a place that feels good to you and stuff's still going to happen all around you. You're going to be faced with challenges. I tell designers all the time, if you think you're going to get out of bed in the morning and nothing's going to go wrong today, go right back to bed. Cause that is not going to happen. <laughs> Things go wrong and there's challenges in every business. And I feel like the best way to deal with them and overcome them is to really be at peace with yourself and, and come from a place of true intention. So that would be my advice. Maybe Five or six years ago, I would have had a big business, you know, response to that. But at this place in my life, I'm really about that. Well, those are good words of wisdom. So, Rick, if people want to work with you, if they want to listen to your podcast, if they just want to connect with you and follow your journey, how can they do that? It's super easy. Just go to designbizsurvivalguide.com. That's B-I-Z. And on Instagram, it's the same thing, Design Biz Survival Guide. And you can listen to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and all that good stuff. So if you're listening to Kate, you can go to the same place to listen to Design Biz Survival Guide. And uh, the website, I really worked on that being a source of information for all the other programs. So if they want consulting services, there's a tab for that to understand how I work and contact me. If you want to go to one of my programs like Design Biz Retreat that's coming up in October, you can learn all about that and how you can be a part of that as well. So the website's a pretty good resource. Awesome. Yes, it is the mothership, as I say. It is the mothership, yes. <laughs> the mothership. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I am very excited to be meeting you live and in person in yeah. Palm Springs, which that will be happening, I think, a week or two after this episode airs. Great, great. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you as well. And thank you for this opportunity. Oh, you are more than welcome. And we have so many other things that we could unpack and discuss. So who knows? You may end up being a recurring guest. <laughs> we may, we'll, let's do it again. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of The Kate Show. Stay tuned next week because we have got just a whole bevy of really exciting interviews headed your way. I've been doing too many solo episodes lately, and I'm bringing on more professionals just like Rick to talk to you all about navigating the home industry. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com, where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.